everyone welcome back to the monday morning faith podcast my name is emily and today we're gonna be talking about the armor of god and how we have defensive and offensive weapons uh to help us here on earth and um we're gonna be in ephesians chapter 6 which is where the scripture talks about the armor of god so if you want to turn ahead in your bibles to ephesians chapter 6 or you can follow along uh, and just listen up to you. We're going to dive right in and I'm going to read you guys a passage to start off uh, just for a little bit of basis. And so we start off in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. And this is Paul uh, speaking here. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take stand against the devil's schemes For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So let's pause there and reflect on that before we get too much further into the armor and what that all entails. So Paul's basically telling us that we have been equipped to stand against the devil's schemes. And If you've never um, really given too much thought to the devil and God and Christianity and you just clicked on this podcast, um, stay with me. I'm going to definitely dive into this on a uh, depth perspective, but I'm also going to try and explain this in a way that it can make sense to anyone who uh, may not be familiar with these terms and words. And so... um, If you are a Christian or believe in God, that is Jesus, and God the Father and the Spirit, then you would believe that the world is a fallen world in which we live, and that is because there's sin in it, and that when we go to heaven, we will not experience any sin, and that we will be united with God in all totality. Um, And so, while we're here on earth, God has given all that believe in God, the Spirit of God, And that reigns within us, and um, it helps us, it guides us, instructs, and corrects us. I even did an episode talking about how God uh, protects, instructs, and corrects. So if you guys want to go back and listen to that one at some point, you definitely should check that one out. And God's given us that spirit, which is his spirit that God gave to us, Jesus gave to us on earth when he passed away, when he was crucified. And so now that spirit of him, a piece of him, lives in all of us and it helps guide us um and that is a gift he gave to us and we don't have to work for it we don't have to earn it it's in all of us it's just our job to tap into that the spirit inside of us and to turn to god and ask him to help us with all things and so this verse uh chapter 6 verse 11 says so that you can stand against the devil's schemes And so God's given us a spirit to help us and deliver us away from harm and temptation. And then Paul goes on in verse 12 to say, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, powers, and spiritual forces. And so he's saying it's not, our struggle is not with uh, the slow lady in the grocery store, the bad driver on the road, uh, your mean teacher in school. Our struggle is not with those people. It's against the rulers and authorities and powers 
and evil forces of this world that manifest in many different ways. And that's a huge part of the faith journey is not just believing in God and the goodness of God and God's ability to do miracles and save and heal, which he most certainly does everywhere at all times. Um, throughout the entire world, he's healing and doing miracles every day. Um, and But to furthermore, have faith in God is to also have um, belief in the unseen, which is that there's also um, dark forces of this world that are present as well. And it's important to note that um, while Satan has more intellect and strength than humans, he's inferior to God in every way. And I used to think that Satan and God were like equals and that it's kind of just like, you know, how they portray in the movies with the devil on your shoulder and the angel on the other. Um, but if you think about that analogy too, there's a reason that it's the devil on the shoulder and an angel on the other shoulder, because, um, if you were to compare God to the devil, it's no match. Like, none at all. You can't compare the two because they're completely unequal. God is superior in every single way. And God is more mighty. He is stronger. And um, that's why we love movies about good overcoming evil. Because that is our realm that in which we live. And Satan seeks to destroy all of God's good works. And God seeks to deliver us and save us and help us overcome all of Satan's temptations to destroy his good works. Um, and that is the battle that is unique to earth and unique to uh, living in this fallen world. And that battle will not take place in heaven. In heaven, we are free from all temptation and sin um, for all those who believe in Jesus. And it's really important to remember that just as there's goodness of God in the land, um, one of my favorite verses says, um, Surely we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And so while we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living, we're also going to see some painful times. So, I mean, you as a human listening to this have probably experienced many, many painful times in your life. And people saying hurtful things, people being awful and mean and cruel. And um, that is just a result of living in this fallen world. Just as... um, we feel sometimes it is a struggle with the flesh and blood with just people in our community. And it's easy to blame, uh, you know, different people that we uh, interact with online in our community on a smaller scale. But really, there's a bigger struggle going on. It's not on an individual level. It's on a spiritual level. And um, it's the spiritual forces of evil which come into our own lives as Christians and uh, come into the lives of all people. And this is why uh, God equips us with the armor of God so we can take stand against these things. So it's nothing to be fearful of. God says like hundreds of times in the Bible, do not be afraid, do not fear, do not be dismayed for I am with you, I am your God. And so we're not to fear. So let's not be scared by this, but let's uh, embrace the knowledge, whether you know this and you're being reminded of this or not, or whether you've never heard about this before. Um, or you've heard about it once, but, you know, aren't too sure about it. Let's just remind ourselves of the power to which God has given all of his believers uh, through the Holy Spirit to equip us. And that is a gift out of God's love for us and his care for us while we're here on earth. Um, to not leave us, quote unquote, high and dry, but to to provide for us. Um, 
according to many of his covenant promises in the Bible that he would provide for us. And so, essentially, Paul goes on to say in chapter 6, verse 13, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand on your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. So, Paul's now saying, we're going to get into the specific um, armor pieces that the Bible describes, but firstly, Paul is saying, it's important to note, he's not saying, um, just pick one or two of these and get really good at that, and then that's good enough. He's actually saying to put on the full armor. He's saying to get good at all these things, to rely on all these things. And when I say get good, we don't have to work to earn this. We just have to acknowledge it exists and use it. It's kind of like a coffee maker sitting on your kitchen island. You don't have to work for the coffee. It's just there. All you have to do is acknowledge it's there and turn it on. That's all you have to do. And so um, sometimes it's difficult, though, because um, evil distracts us, temptation uh, taunts us, and we get so distracted that we're not even able to fully realize that we have protection and we have defense and we have offense in our arsenal um, that has been given to us by God. So it's not that we have to earn these things. They're already bestowed upon us. We have them. If you believe in God and if you say, I believe in Jesus, that he um, died for my sins, then this is already within you. And all it takes is you even saying those words. You don't have to be baptized. Um, you don't have to publicly confess, although I highly would encourage you to do those things, of course, um, when it's pressed upon your heart by the Spirit. But as soon as you say you believe in God and you believe it with your whole heart, these things are given to you, and so is the Spirit of God. So we have these things, we just need to acknowledge them and just um, and just use them, because they're already there. We don't have to work for it, we don't have to earn it. And so, yes, he says to put on the full armor. And then he says, and then when the day of evil comes, so when we're tempted, when we're led astray, when we're pressured, you know, it's like when someone offers you something really, really good, and you have to turn it down because you know in your heart it's so wrong, ethically, morally, and you're just like, oh gosh, like I can't do this. But it just, like the idea of it sounds so good, so fun. Um, maybe it's going to the club with your best friends. Maybe you have been going to the club with them for the last few years since you turned legal, and then you're like, have been really enjoying it, but you know it's a huge place for you to sin uh, with um, people of the opposite sex, with um, drugs or alcohol and you know this is going to be a temptation and God has helped you walk away from it and then when your friend says hey like I really want you to come to the club like we're all going don't you want to come it's like you feel it burning inside of you to say no because you know it's the right thing to do because you know it's going to be harmful to you um, and you know that it's a huge temptation for you what that opportunity looks like and how it unfolds um, and that itching and burning is the day of evil. It's the temptation. It's the overwhelming burden of a decision that you get forced to make. No matter how hard you try and avoid the things that harm you, they're always going to be offered to you in an appetizing way to tempt you. And that is the work of the devil. And so let's get into now the things that God provides us with to help us overcome these things. Um, in verse 14, it says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Okay, so what is the belt of truth around your waist? Um, just so you know, 
I'm relying a little bit on my study Bible for some of the background on this. So uh, up till now, everything I've said is, aside from the actual scripture in my own words, but I'm going to tap a little bit into my um, woman's study Bible just to draw a few uh, really good points out as well. So um, I'm not claiming overt originality to every single word at this point. Um, just a disclaimer, I'm using the NIV Women's Study Bible, but um, it's a bit of a mix between my thoughts and the Bible scripture and the study Bible's thoughts. So just a disclaimer. But anyway, so the belt of truth, buckle around your waist. Um, it says that um, historically the waist or abdomen was thought to be where your emotions are like wearing your emotions on your waist, I guess. And so um, the whole point of the belt of truth is to commit your emotions to believing the truth. So to give um, your emotions and your flights to God and to believe the truth and um, to not allow yourself to believe a lie out of fear and self-pity. So let's take that girl being offered a chance to go to the club with her friends again. And let's look at that in the belt of truth situation. Belt of truth says, according to God's word and according to the spirit inside of me, I know that this is wrong for me, so I'm not going to go. And this doesn't make me any less of a person. This doesn't make me have less value, less important, uh, less seen and heard, because uh, I'm seen, heard, loved, and noticed by God, and that's what matters. And the lie that uh, Satan's going to tempt you with is, Come on, it's going to be so fun. It's not going to be bad. You always have a great time when you go. Don't remember the morning after. Don't remember the consequences you have to deal with the next day. Just remember how fun it was last time and the pretty lights and the rock band and the the loud music and you get to dress up and do your hair and makeup. You get to spend time with your friends. It's going to be so fun. And then he'll tell you that, oh, well, if you don't go... Because it's not enough for him to just convince you and appetize you. He's got to insult you as well. He's got to make you believe harmful things about yourself as well. That's how Satan talks. He entices and then he gets you to despise yourself in the process. So he'll tell you, you're not going to be popular enough. Your friends aren't going to respect you. And ultimately your friends are just going to up and leave you and they don't care about you. And you're lame and you're a loser for not going and... You hear all those things like, oh, well, you're never going to meet a boy if you don't go out and at least go to the club. But it's like, do you even really want to meet a boy at the club or vice versa? Like, if you're a guy and you're listening to this, do you really want to go meet a girl at the club? Like, Satan is telling you that you're going to find the love of your life in the club. You probably, probably, probably won't. Like, it's highly unlikely that you would find a good Christian-loving person who's going to lead you along the right paths. And, you know, uphold the word of God. And um, it's unlikely you might meet someone like that in the club. So uh, Satan will tell you all the lies in the world to get you to try and do things like that. Um, And that club example is just an example. But ultimately, he will try and make you feel appetized and excited about the bad situation. And then he'll also try and make you feel shameful, guilty, embarrassed, and worthless uh, if you don't do what he's telling you to. So put on the belt of truth and commit your emotions um, of anxiousness and stress and uh, worry and all those things. Commit all your emotions to God and put on the belt of truth, which is the word of God, that you are loved and you are uh, worthy and that you are um, loved by the God of the universe and 
you are perfect as you are and that you can do nothing more to earn his love and he sees you and he knows you and you have to yeah put on the belt of truth and know god's truth uh, and that will defend you and so that is defense number one defense number two we see again in verse 14 it says with the breastplate of righteousness in place so the breastplate of righteousness is um once again historically the heart is thought to be like where the soul is um that's what all the old philosophers and scientists slash doctor folk of the time thought. So the place of the soul is where the heart is. And we've had the same metaphors and ideologies for hearts for thousands of years now. And that is that the heart is kind of where the soul and spirit is. And it must be kept pure and righteous. So the breastplate of righteousness stands for keeping your heart pure and righteous. And then... The more you can try and keep your heart pure, um, then the more you're defending against uh, sin's foothold. And we all sin, but the more we can keep ourselves uh, in God's presence and word, the more we're going to be ignited in the spirit to be kept in a state of purity and righteousness. So basically doing the right things uh, and saying the right things as much as possible, because let's remember, no one's perfect. And we all sin. But the more we can stay away from sin, the better. Because sin gives foothold to the enemy. And the more we sin, uh, the more the enemy has power over us. So it's not that a Christian should aspire to never, ever, ever sin again. Because that's like literally impossible unless you're Jesus Christ, which you're not. Um, (laughs) And so you have to just try your very best to sin as least as humanly possible. And that should really be the goal of all believers is to sin as like little as humanly possible. And so that is a breastplate of righteousness, keeping your heart pure, sinning as little as possible because you don't want to give foothold to the enemy. And then it says that we can also help keep ourselves pure and righteous by using confession and forgiveness. So confessions, um, con- whenever we do sin, confessing it, having repentance, and then accepting the forgiveness and moving on. Because once God forgives you, once you ask for forgiveness, you're forgiven for whatever you've done, including murder. So whatever you think you've done that is so bad that God can't forgive you and you can't move on. If you bring it to God and you ask for forgiveness, you are forgiven indeed. And you should always remind yourself of that. And accepting his forgiveness in your heart and then moving on and trying to not do that sin ever again, trying your hardest, keeping yourself pure and righteous and straying from sin is uh, the breastplate of righteousness in a nutshell. And then in verse 15, it says, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And so your feet being fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace talks about, um, Basically how like feet and shoes move you from place to place um, is what the commentary in my Bible talks about, which totally makes sense. And then um, how spreading the gospel, it's a, more of a metaphor for yeah, your feet being fitted with the readiness from the gospel of peace is being fitted with the readiness to go share the gospel, spread the gospel. And it also says that this mission keeps a believer headed in the right direction. And I really love that the way it's said. Because I think it's really important that we keep our eyes focused as people that love Christ. And um, it's like any goal. 
Whether you're focused on a goal at the gym, a goal at school, or a goal at work, or a goal with God. Um, when we're focused on a goal, it's like we kind of get blinders on and we get hyper-focused on it. And when we're focused on a certain goal, um, we project forward towards that goal. And there are little setbacks, but for the most part, we're headed in one direction and that's towards achieving our goal. And so when we're focused on spreading the gospel and knowing the gospel, um, then we are able to be focused on the right direction and we're able to walk along the narrow path which God has prepared for us. And so we have this encouragement and focus to keep going. But if we're not ready to talk about the gospel or to know the gospel, share the gospel, then we don't have an overall mission. And without a mission, we're not wand- we're more so wandering. So we kind of know where the right direction is and we kind of wandering towards it. But in our wandering, that's when um, the enemy tries to take foothold and tries to drag us down away from the right direction. So um, that's why we keep our feet ready keep our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace so that we can share it and that that would be our mission. Uh, it was the instruction given to, given by Jesus to his disciples um, after his resurrection, uh, just before he ascended into heaven. Uh, finally, he told the believers uh, and the disciples to go and spread the gospel. So um, that is a mission that God has given to not just the 12 disciples, 11 disciples, but to all of us. And so uh, the mission will keep us on the right path and staying on the right path uh, will keep us from uh, the majority of sin and the temptation of sin. Um, Next, it says, in addition to all this, in verse 16, this is, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish the, all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So, like, in these days, um, maybe you've seen, like, some of, like, stuff on the History Channel or shows like that. But, basically, in war days, they would, like, dip arrows, like, in, like, battles. Um, they would dip the arrows in, like, fire and then shoot, like, flaming arrows at the other side. Um, which is, like, I mean, you can imagine how awful it might be to be stabbed with an arrow but like a flaming arrow is like yeah that doesn't sound very pleasant um but if you think about it the attacks of the evil one the temptation and the way he speaks to you and those negative intrusive thoughts um the way he tries to overcome your mind and overwhelm you with um distractions and temptations um are like flaming arrows it's a good metaphor, and um, you can see the way Paul's writing this uh, really has um, the touch of Jesus' words in it, um, because it this portion of the armor of God written by Paul in Ephesians reminds me so heavily of the uh, parables and the gospels um, that Jesus spoke while he was here on earth. And so um, the this literature has really unique um, style to it, and it's really beautiful, the way to read it, and all the metaphors and whatnot. So, um, basically the shield of faith is what extinguishes the flaming arrows from the evil one. And so the wicked one, the accuser is Satan and he will try and instill doubt, fear, and guilt. He wants you to doubt yourself and doubt the word of God 
especially the word of God. And don't forget, he knows scripture. When he when Jesus wandered in the wilderness, Satan was able to quote and misquote um, the scriptures and use those to try and tempt Jesus. And ultimately, we need to remember that Satan and um, his attack and his schemes can look good sometimes. The way um, he gets you to believe certain things and certain lies, they can look like good things. So it's always important to commit um, everything we do and all decisions we make to God and even the small ones. Um, God, should I go to this person's house today? Um, Should I accept this invitation? Should I uh, do this school program? Should I do this course? You know, these are things we should totally, they, they seem small and they seem stupid, but we should totally invite God in and pray about it and ask him to direct us. Um, and that gets later on, uh, which is the last one uh, of the armor of God, but we'll, we'll get to that later. Um, so the shield of faith, um, you know, just protecting us um, and the faith acts as an invisible shield. So Satan's casting arrows flaming arrows of doubt, fear, and guilt, trying to make us feel just awful um, without us even realizing it. Have you ever scrolled on TikTok or Instagram Reels or, like, any social media and just seen, like, the most beautiful, beautiful women? And, um, like, assuming you're a girl listening to this, um, seeing, like, beautiful, beautiful women and they are wearing just, like, hardly any clothes at all they're so skinny they're like 16 15 year old girls that have like you know the bodies of like 25 year olds but like they're skinny and it's just like and they look so pretty and their hair is perfect and their makeup's perfect they they look absolutely flawless they look like victoria's secret angels and it's just like whoa and then before you know it you're doubting that you're even considered pretty or beautiful you're fearful that if you do have a uh husband, boyfriend, fiance, that, you know, he would be more interested in girls like that than you. So now the evil one, the wicked one, Satan, has got you thinking that. He's got you fearful that you could never be that pretty, no matter how hard you try, no matter how much time you spend on your hair, makeup, you know, clothing. Um, And then he's got you feeling guilty that you don't look like that. And it's like this negative combination of doubt, fear, and guilt that, like, completely overcomes our thoughts and is just so harmful and ultimately it's not productive to uh living a christ-centered life to allow those thoughts to overcome us now that's not me or anyone else blaming you for having those thoughts that's like a temptation we all face it doesn't matter if you're scrolling on instagram or if this is a temptation of negative thinking that happens in another area of your life but ultimately um these fiery darts are fiery and they hurt. And so what do we do instead? We use the shield of faith, which is invisible, but our faith in God and our faith in knowing the word, believing the word, um, is what overcomes it. The fact that it says, uh, I knit you together my mother's womb. That's what God says. He knit us together with care and beauty. Um, and it says, his works are wonderfully made. You are wonderfully made. You think that means you're not beautiful in God's eyes? Absolutely not. Like, you are the most beautiful to him. You're his creation. You're his child. You're his son or daughter. And um, ultimately, putting up the shield of faith is what 
will allow us to take back and claim back our thoughts and thinking and walk in peace. When it feels like we're having fiery darts shot at us and arrows, uh, it doesn't feel like peace. But when we put up the shield of faith and claim God's presence, word, and our belief in him over it, and believe what he's saying with the belt of truth to be true, when you use these things in combination, especially, then it's like, you know, nothing can stand against that. Because um, good defeats evil. And the helmet of salvation then, it says um, in verse 17, take the helmet of salvation. And the helmet of salvation being um, representing the helmet would go over your head. So that's your brain, your thoughts. And that is a defense against doubt and insecurity. And so we have a lot of doubt and insecurity, kind of similar to doubt, fear, and guilt, but doubt and insecurity as well um, about who we are. And so imagine, visualize yourself, you know, going off to an awkward or difficult situation, work, school, you know, whatever you're, or into your parents' house, whatever your awkward and difficult situation is, visualize yourself putting on the helmet of salvation, um, and using it to defend your thoughts, your thinking. And um, the helmet of salvation being that you can protect yourself by knowing um, what is true and what God is given you and having faith in him. And so put on that helmet of salvation and knowing that you're saved. So salvation being obviously you've been saved. And because you've been saved, you're getting a seat at the kingdom one day and that's not nothing to brush over um you know I feel like sometimes I ignore that fact because I don't like I'm so focused on the present on earth that I'm not even thinking about heaven most of the time or hardly ever and the helmet of salvation is the fact that you've been saved um by uh grace and God's grace is all over you so put on the helmet of salvation and his grace and then walk into that difficult situation and protect your thoughts um, by asking God to help you. And then lastly, it says, And the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And that's in verse 17. The sword of Spirit, which is the word of God. Um, so we've got truth, righteousness, um, readiness to spread the gospel, faith, salvation. And now we've got the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And so this is so far... The word of the spirit is only offensive weapon. It's our only like attack against anything. Everything else is defense, but this is offense. And so we want to use this, all these things in tandem together, but we most certainly want to dedicate um, um, all of our problems to God. Every single issue, uh, traffic jams, can't find a parking space, um, grades, everything in our lives. Um, you know, sports, games, it doesn't matter. We want to give it all to God. And that's the sword of the spirit then at that point, because if we're lifting it up to God and we are using his word to overcome everything, then our problems will still be problems or perhaps God will step in, but he will help us through it. And that's why we have all these things. It's not our battle to fight alone, although it certainly feels like it. Just like the, the shield of faith, it's invisible. The shield is invisible. The armor of God is an invisible thing. But what is visible is the way you use it. Um, the way you claim truth. The way you keep your heart pure. The way you share the gospel with others. The way you learn the gospel. 
the way you um, claim your faith in difficult situations, the way you uh, claim your salvation over difficult situations, the way you speak the word of God to yourself and others to claim um, back your thoughts in difficult situations. So the word of God, the sword of the spirit uh, being the offensive weapon and it was used by God against Satan and it is powerful, effective and instructive. And that is what we are told all throughout the Bible. In Hebrews, in 2 Timothy, it talks about how powerful and effective and instructive the word truly is. And so when we are facing any difficulty, any intrusive thought, anything internally within us or externally in the world, we need to use the sword of the spirit to offensively uh, strike away all the devil's schemes and all of our temptations and all of our... um, overwhelming attacks and we need to claim the word of God over them and that will completely defend us from them and ultimately um, it'll provide us a sense that we're not alone. I feel like so often when we feel like we're under attack we feel so alone whether it's an argument with our family members or friends or um, an authority figure you know we feel so alone in it and um, oftentimes we, we share it with someone else someone close to us that we trust But then we walk away and um, we still feel uh, the mental temptations and anguish from the situation. But it's a battle that belongs to God. Um, I don't know if you have ever heard the song, The Battle Belongs to You, um, but it's really good. And I think it's by, actually, I don't remember who it's by. But anyways, it's a really good song and it talks about how Like in scripture, it says, um, the battle belongs to you, God. And so this is the armor of God. So we're just a soldier. We're putting on the armor and we're going to show up for battle because um, if we stay at home and don't put the armor on and shake in our boots, uh, the enemy is probably just going to take over if no one shows up to defend but or attack. But it's God's battle. It's not ours. We're not in charge of uh, the outcome. We're not in charge of controlling Uh, the outcome. But what we are in charge of is suiting up in the armor of God because God's given it to us. Imagine a soldier choosing to go into battle with no armor um, versus the armor of God. Uh, Remind ourselves now of David versus Goliath, a common childhood story. Most people know it, even if you don't know, believe in God. Um, Basically, David is a shepherd and he overcomes Goliath this like literally I think they call him nine feet tall I think that's approximation that's given in the bible yeah he's like nine feet tall and like huge and he's got like heavy apparently a hundred and something pounds of armor and so he's wearing like a hundred pounds of armor he's like nine feet tall and he's standing and just like ready to murder people and he's like you have to fight me or whatever and then they can't find anyone to fight him because I mean, Goliath is just, like, a beast. Like, he's huge. And then, basically, David's like, I'll do it. And everyone's like, what? Like, David's this tiny little shepherd. He doesn't know how to fight. Um, and then David's like, no, like, I've fought off lions and bears. And God's always helped me overcome the situation. And ultimately, God will be with me in this battle as well. If he was there for me with the lions and the bears and save me then he'll save me now too and he said but this isn't my fight this is um me fighting for god and i want everyone to know here today that when i am victorious that it's because of god not me and so david doesn't go in to the battle with any physical armor or a sword even 
Um, and everyone's like, oh my gosh, this guy's crazy. So he put on the armor of God. He put on all those invisible things. And uh, God was with him. And ultimately, David was victorious. And he then became king. Yada, yada, yada. You have to go read that book, the Bible. But essentially... Um, to have armor offered and to not take it is just foolish, ultimately. And that's not me insulting you if this, if you're like, oh, well, I don't do these things or I don't do enough of them. Um, I don't either. I'm not perfect. And neither are you and neither is your next door neighbor and neither is your mother, brother, um, whoever. We're not perfect. And I want to always emphasize that because it's true. We're not perfect. And it's foolish, though, to not use these things. Just as it's foolish to get drunk and drive a car both those things are foolish especially well sorry driving drunk is foolish and being drunk is foolish but you know driving a car is a normal thing sorry my bad but like you know it's just like it's foolish to do something like that just as it's foolish to not use the armor of god and um it doesn't make you a bad person for not doing it it just is like this gift God's given you, and I'm here to remind you that you have protection. You have a weapon. The weapon being the word, and then your protection being the truth, um, you know, righteousness, um, readiness, so your knowledge, your shield of faith, your faith, the helmet of salvation for your thoughts, and you've been given all these things by God, and he wants you to use them. It's like going back to that coffee maker analogy. It's like, you don't have to work for these things. You have to earn them. God is not a God you earn and a God you work for. God's a God we give back to and we serve him out of love and to please him. But it's not something we work for. It's something that's a way of honoring him and giving back. Is what, That's when we work for him, to distinguish between the two. The world will say, you have to work to earn this. You have to work to earn my respect. You have to work to earn this. Like, with God, you have all those things. You don't have to work for it. The reason we do work is to give back to God. It's a way of worship. And um, ultimately, we got to remember that God is so for us, it's not even funny. And just like the armor of God, it's like a freaking coffee maker. All you have to do is walk up to it and turn it on. You don't have to earn it. It's already on the counter. You just have to literally use it. And it's, like, kind of difficult to think about doing these things if we haven't, like, fully tapped into it yet. Um, And it's a lot. There's, like, it's overwhelming. There's, like, one, two, three, four, five... There's five defenses and one offensive. Like, yeah, it's really difficult to think about using, like, and learning five new things. But um, definitely just start with one at a time and figure out um, how you can interweave these things into your life to help you. And um, I recommend that you highlight Ephesians 6 um, verses, I think it was, uh, yeah, 10 through 18. And I recommend you highlight that in your Bible and or your Bible app or you can Google it and then there's lots of websites that just have the scripture online and you can screenshot it. So I recommend you do that and then whenever you're in a difficult situation, ask yourself, what armor can I put on today? What armor can I put on in this situation? 
because um, it's for you and you're not meant to suffer in darkness. You're not meant to suffer in temptation. You're not meant to suffer against the devil's schemes. God, you know, for whatever reason, allows things like that to happen, but he gives us tools to deal with it, uh, to help us. And, um, you know, I don't ever profess to know uh, God's purposes, but I do know that he's given these things for our good and we should absolutely use uh, any help we can. It would be like drowning and saying, no, it's okay. I don't want the life jacket. It's like, um, why? Like, well, I, no, 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 I can, I can, I swear I can swim. I can just, I'll, I'll get to shore eventually. Don't worry about me. It's like, but you're, you're, you're drowning. You don't want the life jacket. Like, why wouldn't you take the life jacket? So think about it like that. And, um, lastly, the last thing that, um, Paul instructs about the armor of God is to pray in the spirit on all occasions, which is what I was constantly talking about throughout all those things, which is that, um, whether it be truth, righteousness, uh, readiness, faith, salvation, or the word of God, we got to commit it to prayer. And um, it opens a channel of communication for the battle. And as God goes ahead of us and he leads us, um, it's just like a coach. He's going to give us directions and encouragement. And we forget that encouragement is part of it. Um, God will give us good things and he will give us encouragement. And as I keep saying, uh, we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living, which is from scripture. And it's just like, we got to remind ourselves of that. And by praying to God constantly, we're allowing ourselves to hear the encouragement and the directions. So, um, I wish this is something I did when I was younger. I wish that when I was having difficult, um, arguments with my parents that I had, uh, put on my belt of truth. Um, and I had, uh, kept my heart more pure. I wish that I had known more about the gospel so I could spread it um, and be headed in the right direction. I wish that I had um, known the word and uh, been stronger in my faith so that I could have um, shielded myself from the fiery darts of um, intrusive thinking and intrusive negative thoughts, which I have struggled with my whole life uh, to this day. And I'm just getting really good now at using the shield of faith. And when I say really good, it just feels really good in comparison to where I used to be. Because um, it's not good to like measure ourselves. Um, I just feel really good about it compared to where I used to be personally. And um, I wish I had also um, used the helmet of salvation with my thoughts to um, help myself with the doubt and security I felt, um, especially when I was yelling about so many things when I was a teenager. And uh, with the sword of the spirit, um, I wish that I had more scripture um, memorized, loosely memorized, or at least like read and known, because then like maybe it would have helped me more than, and when I say maybe, it certainly would have helped me. I just, I wish I had known those things then, but you can't turn back the clock. Um, and I wish I felt like I, I felt like when I prayed to God, it wasn't real because it wasn't like he was answering me back. Um you know, like you do when you talk to a real person. And I think it's only when we learn our own prayer style and our own relationship with God, people pray in different ways. Some people pray with headphones on, some people pray on their knees, some people stand to pray, some people sit to pray, some people pray in their head silently, some people like to pray out loud, some people do all those things. Some people pray for an hour, some people pray for a minute, some people pray 50 times a day, some people pray one time a day. And um, you just got to learn to pray in your best way 
to have your best relationship with God that you can possibly try to have. Um, and that looks like however you and God decide it looks like. So if you're struggling to pray um, and open yourself up to him uh, because maybe you don't feel worthy, you, you feel like you don't have time. If you, don't, if you feel like you don't have time, um, I'm serious. Uh, every time you go to the bathroom, pray then. Like, what else are you going to do? Seriously. Um, or um, drive to, pray to him on your commute to work. Assuming you drive, um, you can't be occupied with anything else, really. So um, try and pray on your drive um, and start there. And then pray every time you walk into your house and you walk out of your house. Typically, you won't be doing anything then either. So that's a good time to try and pray as well. Anyways, those are just some tips on when you could try and pray. Um, I'm really happy I wound up talking about the armor of God today because I think it's a really good reminder for me as well um, that God has given us all like amazing gifts of defense for here on earth and as well as offense with the, the word of God. And so let's remind ourselves we're not perfect. We don't do these things perfectly. But let's commit ourselves to trying to do this as well as possible because God's given this as a gift and um, and it's going to ultimately help us in everything and all things um, because God wants to help us and he wants to be a part of our day. Um, he wants to be in all the moments and he is in all the moments. We just need to um, foster the relationship um, through prayer and uh, through communication with him. So I'm going to end today off in a prayer uh, so you can join me in praying or pray your own prayer. Um, Dear God, thank you so much for loving us unconditionally and for equipping us with all that we need to um, defend ourselves while we're here on earth. And we know that hard times will come, but we thank you that you give us what we need to overcome temptation and attacks. And we love you so much for giving us these things um, and we ask that you would help us commit to using them more. We ask that you would give us the knowledge and the wisdom to use these things in our everyday life to help us walk closer to you but also to to help us in difficult times that we know will come or we may already be in. So God I ask that you would help us all uh, to have more communication with you to allow ourselves to go deeper into relationship with you so that you can help us use these things that you've given us. And we ask today that you would instill the knowledge and wisdom onto how to use the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, uh, the feet of readiness, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. I ask that you would help us with these things, that you would walk us through these things, and that you would uh, make your presence known to us uh, while we try and use these armor pieces. So God, we thank you and we praise you. And in your mighty name we pray, amen. So I hope today's uh, podcast goes well with you and I hope to see you guys next time and may God be with you uh, in all of your next steps and may you uh, realize that God is the battle of your heart and your mind and your spirit and um, his spirit within you is gonna help you fight the battle. And so in Jesus' name, I ask... um, for your uh, well-being and I ask for your um, assurance that God is with you in all things. So I hope you guys have a great rest of your week and hope you guys tune in next time. Bye!